Beijing has set up more than 100 so-called overseas police stations across the globe to monitor, harass, and in some cases repatriate Chinese citizens uh, living in exile, according to a new report. A Madrid-based human rights campaigner, Safeguard Defenders, said it found evidence China was operating 48 additional police stations uh, abroad since the group first revealed the existence of 54 such stations in September. Joining me now to talk a little bit about this new report uh, is Jeremy Nuttall. He's a Vancouver-based investigative reporter for the Toronto Star and someone who has lived and worked in China as well. Jeremy, welcome. Hi, good to be here. Uh, before we get into the, the broad uh, nature of this report, I wanted to confirm, of, of the hundred, we haven't heard of uh, of a station in Vancouver. This Does this report say there is, there is a, a station here in Vancouver? Yeah, this report says there is one, but it can't, it can't, it doesn't pinpoint the exact address. Um, so Safeguard Defenders sort of gleans a lot of this information from uh, public, publicly available documents, many attributed to the, the Chinese government. And through that process, they have uh, deciphered that there is um, a police station in Vancouver uh, being operated by the Wenzhou uh, police authorities uh, on some level. They're not sure the exact address. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's a few guesses that uh, I think some people could hazard, but uh, no, no proof of where it actually is yet. And another, um, another police station, they don't know the, the location, even the province that it's in. They just have uh, picked up that there is another one being talked about. Mm-hmm. And there was previous reports that Toronto had a couple of stations, potentially. Yeah, Toronto had three run by the Fujo police. Okay. And that was in the greater Toronto area. Uh, what do these stations do here? Well, what, what the Chinese government says they're doing is helping people renew their Chinese driver's licenses and things like that. But what Safeguard Defenders and other uh, critics say is they're, they're set up to uh, coerce and intimidate Chinese uh, uh, citizens who are going into going back to China to face criminal charges in some cases. Uh, and in other cases, just because they're uh, people that China doesn't want living abroad or they're living in areas where uh, China doesn't want its citizens. Uh how much, how concerned should we be as Canadians uh, in regards to this nation and its sovereignty? Well, you know, I'd say that considering um, the Chinese government feels that Canada is one of the countries that it can simply set up shop in um, and 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 do what it wants at will and harass uh, people who hold Canadian citizenship in Canada, uh, you know, I think that we should be very concerned and, and wonder how it got to this point. Uh, have other uh, other authorities dealt with these stations? Some have. Uh, the Netherlands has ordered them closed. Um, there was one in Dublin, Ireland, uh, that was also ordered closed by the Irish government. Um, and you've also got Austria is looking into it. There's a, there's a few other countries that are actually looking into, um, you know, the, re- the original report from back in September. Um, but off the top of my head, the only two that have, have you actually seen some concrete action were from Netherlands and Ireland. How does one, I mean, when, when you say they persuade citizens to come back to China, or others have said, I mean, that is just harassing and uh, intimidating. One would argue they may even could be harassing and intimidating family members back in China. I mean, uh, this is all, of course, done behind the scenes, and none of us see exactly what's said or done. Yeah, and there was, the most interesting thing was a couple of weeks back, maybe a month ago, actually, mm-hmm. uh, there was a U.S. court case where they charged seven people uh, with harassing and, and intimidating uh, a Chinese guy in New York State uh, to get him to go back to China. 
Um, and so the actual tactics used, it was the first time that we got a real, a real look at it. And it was, you know, they, they had state companies fire, file uh, frivolous lawsuits against him in U.S. courts. Uh, they had his family back home uh, being pressured to the point where one actually came over and tried to get him to come back. Um, they, they, they also coordinated calls with people in Canada to try to get him to come to the Chinese uh, consulate in Toronto to discuss the matter. Um, and uh, so the U.S. authorities have decided that they should, they're going to charge people that they catch doing this. Hmm. Uh, what does this mean, this latest information that came out today in the context of uh, what we heard uh, last week or uh, what a week and a half ago uh, in regards to the Indo-Pacific strategy? How does this, uh, how does our response, our potential response, how would that fit in with a broader conversation and discourse around China today? Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, there's been a lot of, of talk about foreign interference in Canada, and, uh, you know, mostly they've been talking about it in the last week or a week or so in regards to Canadian elections, but, you know, I think this would definitely qualify as well. Uh, I think it, you know, I think it shows that Canada may be on the right track or is on the right track when it comes to uh, starting to stand up for itself within its own borders against the Chinese government. Uh, I am I'm positive that we're going to hear uh, that there are more than just five of these stations in Canada. There's 11 in Italy, and Italy, I don't believe, has uh, near the sort of uh, diaspora population that Canada has of Chinese citizens. So, uh, you know, the idea that there's only five here kind of surprised me. You know, if, when you put it in that context, you're absolutely right. We got a, a, a sizable uh, Chinese population, Chinese expat population in Vancouver and Toronto, growing very quickly in Calgary and Edmonton uh, as well. And to yeah. assume that we have less offices here, particularly with our location and our connection to China over, uh, you know, decades uh, if, uh, with family and, and uh, educational and, and business connections, that we would only have five is uh, is probably very much underestimated. Um, is this, I mean, with the Indo-Pac strategy, Indo-Pacific strategy, the the broader conversations about these police stations, it seems like actually the, the political class is actually catching up where the Canadian sentiment is has always been, is that there are people who remain skeptical of communist China. Yeah, and I, I'm still skeptical that they are catching up. I don't know if they're bowing to public pressure or they actually finally um, have taken note of the fact that you know, there's realities that you can't change. And one of those realities is the communist, uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, forcing their agenda no matter what um, and, and doing what they what they want and not actually changing or or uh, uh, becoming better on human rights and and freedom within China, which is sort of what we were always told is that, you know, if we engage with them economically, that magically there'd be a, a, whole, a whole bunch of terrific things happen in China. And uh, on the human rights and uh, and front, that certainly hasn't happened. So I think that's one of the things that uh, Canadians have reacted to. And I guess we'll see if the Canadian government is going to react to the way Canadians reacted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll keep an eye uh, on, on this issue for sure. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. Always great, Jess.